Bless God for the choir. Sister Christian Williams, TJ Williams, Brother Anthony, thank God. Whole choir and all of them, thank God for you all. Amen. Something about the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you, but all of us have testimonies. Mother, of how the blood still works. Blood still works. Amen. What a word. As we turn to the Word of God, the text this morning is found in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 30, one verse, verse 6. We're going back to old school. We're reading from the King James Version. Amen. This seems appropriate. <laughs> uh, this seems to be one of those old school type services, which you allow the Lord to have his way. The series for this summer is called Supernatural Peace. This is the third message in this series. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6. And it reads, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man grieved for his sons and for his daughters. Here's where the subject is found. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. And the church said, Amen. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Catch the hands of someone that's standing next to you. Here's this third message in this summer series that we've called Supernatural Peace. Squeeze those hands and look at somebody because God is going to use you to bless someone that's standing next to you. You don't know whose hands you're holding. Perhaps they're feeling depressed. Perhaps they have lost a loved one. Perhaps they've lost a job. Perhaps people they thought they could trust have let them down. And the enemy is saying to them, why are you still holding on? Nobody cares about you. Here's a word for every demon in your life. Squeeze those hands and say, encouraging yourself. Now hold on, look at somebody and say, sometimes you just got to do it. Encouraging yourself. You may be seated. Ooh. Encouraging Ooh. an ongoing process happens all the time, continuously encouraging yourself. Listen, God said to me 
that one of the things that we must do, particularly those of us who trust God, those of us who are believers, how many of you trust God? Let's see your hands. Those of us who trust God, one of the things that we must do, if we are to have a life of supernatural peace, is to simply learn how to encourage ourselves. Mm. Listen, when things in our lives are not going as we had hoped that they would go, all of us have those situations. Encourage ourselves when we feel like giving up. Encouraging ourselves when nobody else around seems to care if you live or die or what happens to you. For I know that this sometimes runs contrary to what we are taught as humble servants of God. We are, we are often taught and told not to do things that draw attention or to benefit ourselves. We are often taught in churches and in places of worship uh, not to just focus on yourself because it makes us seem as if we are self-serving and spiritually unfocused. Always be thinking of ourselves. Uh, and some folk... <laughs> particularly some folk in church, they have a way of making others feel really bad just because someone desires to do something that uplifts and encourages themselves. They will make you feel bad because you said that I, I, I'm going to pray for myself. I'm going to speak a word over my own life. And as I said to the church this morning, I said to the congregation, and I told Pastor Raul Bradley, this great man of God, who's seen many churches and witnessed what God can do. Perhaps mothers of Zion, in the day in which you had less selfish church folk, it was all right to tell folk, don't focus too much on yourself because somebody else would be there to pick you up. There, there was a time in which uh, there would be people around you that would be there to shoulder your burdens, and share your burdens. Now that, that day seemed to have gone away, which there are less and less people that are concerned about helping someone else. In fact, I said jokingly, there are folk who will shout all over you doing service, but not speak to you when church is out. I just can't understand how you are so spiritually in tune from 11 to 1. But after 1, you revert back to your old ways. And so why, why is that important, Pastor Jackson? So if, if you were depending on other folk 
to speak a positive word into your life, then you are often let down. You're depending on somebody else to say some encouraging words about you. Then, then we sometimes are very much so let down. But that should not discourage us from giving up on the Lord our God. Am I right about it? Perhaps one of the great examples in all of scripture of this is Job. In, in the testimony of Job that is recorded in the book that bears his name, we see Job's story. A man that the Bible says in Job 1 and 1 was an upright man that feared God and shunned evil. Had not done anybody wrong and was doing pretty good. The, the richest and the most blessed person in the land. But things soon change. Why? Because God needed an example of someone he could lift up and say, this man is not serving me because of what I do for him. He's serving me because of who he is and what he believes and who he believes I am. And so here's what the Bible says. The Bible says Job's situation immediately went from great to good to bad to worse. And here we are, a man who was the richest man, the man who had everything, to a man who now has nothing. From verse 13 in the first chapter of the book of Job, uh, towards the end of that chapter, four times Job received bad news back to back to back back. In fact, the text says, while one was still speaking, somebody else came with bad news. Job, you've lost your cattle and your sheep. By the way, Job, you've lost this and that. And then finally, someone came with the dagger. All ten of your children Seven sons and three daughters were in one place, Job. A mighty whirlwind came and destroyed the place. And the text says, and they are all dead. <laughs> they are all dead. You would think if anybody had any reason uh, to doubt God, Job would have it. You would think that if anybody would have depended on other folk to come and lift them up. Because I know Job had done a lot of good things for others. Others would have come. But no one came to lift them up. They came, his three closest friends in chapter 2, to criticize Job. Uh, chapter 2, beginning at verse 9, Job's wife, the one he married and committed for better or worse, sickness or health, to death do us part. Job's wife was tired of that. She, she could stomach perhaps losing her kids and stuff, but when Job's flesh began to deteriorate, and here's what the text says, Job began to 
scrape the sores off his body with a broken piece of pottery. Job's wife could not take anymore. In chapter 2, verse 9, she said to him, Man, do you still maintain your, uh, your dignity? Are you still trying to hold on to your dignity? Why don't you curse God and die? Mrs. Job had enough. She was ready to move on. She, she didn't sign up for this. She didn't sign up to marry a man who was broke, busted, disgusted, and full of sores eating his body. And so Job, if he thought he could count on his wife, realized that he could not count on her. Uh, later on in chapter 2, here come Bilidad, here come Jopar, here come Elias, Job's three closest friends, uh, sit at his house, Deacon Stoked, for days and concluded, Job, you are a sinful man. That's why you are in so much trouble. You have uh, forsaken God. Job calls him in the text, miserable comforters. He says, you are miserable comforters. What I like about Job, that is recorded in the last uh, uh, two verses of chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb. See, sometimes the only encouraging word you're going to get is when you speak a word to yourself. Can I preach to somebody? You better know how to speak a word to yourself. Because if Job was waiting on Mrs. Job to encourage him, he never would have gotten that. If he's waiting on his three closest friends to lift him up, it never came. So Job said, naked I came out of my mother's womb. Naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then in chapter 14, verse 14, Job having lost everything, his friends said to him, man, you're going to die with nothing. Job said, that's all right. Because if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait until my change come. Touch somebody and say, sometimes... You've got to encourage yourself. If you're waiting on your BFFs, if you're waiting on your fake Facebook friends, if waiting on folk that kiss up all on you when you got something and when you lose everything, they're nowhere to be found. If you're waiting on other folk to encourage you, you are miserable. But you've got to be like Joe. Sometimes you've got to reach down in your own anointing and find some strength all by yourself to say you're going to be all right 
if Mrs. Job don't want to help me, that's all right. I've got somebody greater than Mrs. Job. And if you know God is a very present help in the time of trouble, Job said all the days of my appointed time, I'll wait right here until God gets ready. Every now and then, you've got to make up your mind and speak to every demon in your life and say, contrary to how it seems, the God I serve is able to bring me out. And before the preacher gets to your house, you ought to be able to get your own anointing and encourage yourself. Every now and then, you've got to pat your own self on the back and say, you can make it, child. Can I preach? Any witnesses in here? Let me preach to this side of the church. Anybody on this side of the church late in the midnight hour ever found yourself when your back is against the wall and nobody comes to your rescue? And I told the church this morning, when the wall that your back is leaning on began to crumble, what are you going to do there? Tell somebody, hold my head up high. Plead the blood of Jesus and say, for God I live and God I die. Better days are coming by and by. If I can hold out, a little while longer everything is gonna be alright any witnesses weeping may endure for a night you better get a word for yourself because you can't always find a preacher you better know a word for yourself because you can't wake folk up four o'clock in the morning wanting them to pray you through something you better know how to get in touch with God for yourself and say, Father, I stretch my hand to thee. Come on, somebody. Put your hands on your heart. Say, be encouraged. Tell them, don't give up. Tell them, the devil is a liar. Come on, tell yourself it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Folk have let you down, but that's all right. God's just making room for better folk. Jobs have laid you off, but God's making room for a better job. Anybody believe that what is to come is greater than what has been? And every now and then when nobody else is around, you don't need church, you don't need an organ, you don't need a drum. Come on, prove me right. Take about 10 seconds to jump up on your feet and from the depths of your belly, Shabbat the Lord your God and say, it's going to be all right. It feels good when you let it out. Come on. So what? Nobody called you. 
So what? Nobody came to see you. God is on your side. You don't need anybody else. Woo! Anybody know you can make it as long as God is on your side? How many of you ever had to pray yourself through something? Come on, let me say that. How many of you ever been so sick that you didn't know how you were going to make it and you had to pray yourself? You, you had to say, by his stripes, you had to lay hands on your own Y'all excuse me, I feel the anointing in here. God is about to do something by the power that's working in you. You already have the power. Hold your head up high. You can come through this. But pastor, I'm by myself. Sometimes that is exactly where God wants you to be. Because all that other stuff, I have one word for it, clutter. Y'all got some clutter people in your life. And all they're doing is clogging up your pipeline to a better blessing. Woo! Preach Pastor Jackson. And God said we need some spiritual draino to flush down your pipes. To tell somebody, I'm getting ready to flush this out. Come on in. You need to get you a spiritual plunger. <laughs> Preach, I did say that. You need you a spiritual plunger. And <laughs> clean it out. Tell somebody, clean your life out. Watch God step in. Get ready, get ready. I believe in the next 30 days, God's going to clean some stuff, help you clean some stuff out of your life and watch God because he refuses to put new wine in old wine skin. Listen to the text. May I preach this? David experienced in our text is perhaps one of the greatest examples of all of how you cannot always depend on others to encourage you during your most difficult moments and how the Lord will give you strength during the worst time of your life to have church by yourself. <laughs> you don't need a drum, an organ, or a preacher. The old folks say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, then my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Listen, our text occurs during a very difficult time in David's life, a time of transition, a time of uncertainty. Listen, although, and this is important, David had been anointed earlier, he had not ascended to the throne. He had been anointed, but that seemed to unleash every kind of hateful, 
jealous demon that he did not even know existed. You never know how much people like you until you get blessed. Because people's true nature comes out when you get blessed in ways they have not been blessed yet. Amen, somebody? And so, here is David, young man, playing the harp for his mentor, Saul. And all of a sudden, because God anoints David, David didn't ask for this. God sought out David. David did not seek out an anointing. The anointing of God fell on David. And immediately the spirit of Saul changed. He went from being a mentor to a hater. He went from being a father figure to an antagonist who was out to destroy him. So Saul set out to destroy David and David's family, although David was married to his daughter. Saul was going to destroy all of them. He was willing to destroy his own daughter, his own seed, because of jealousy. And now here is David. What do you do when you are in between blessings? What do you do when the blessing to come had not come yet? And the blessing you had was then. And here you are in between where you have been and where you're going to end up. What do you do? You lean on God. God will find a place just for you. And so here is David now. Saul is after him. He runs him out of his own home, off his own land, out of his own country. Where do you go? God found a place for David, and it was in the land of the Philistines. Now you've got to note with me that the land of the Philistines uh, was land that belonged to David's enemies. Goliath was a Philistine. David had destroyed their greatest enemy. But don't tell me what God can't do. God will find a place for you in the presence of your enemies. No wonder David write, Thou prepareth a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. So here is God. God says, I've got a place for you. This isn't a permanent place, but this is a special dwelling place. Place in the land of the Philistine. And in their land, there is a unique territory called Ziklag. I'm going to send you to a place that even the Philistine don't want. But David, if you know how to appreciate me in a place where you don't want to be, I will bless you in a place that you do want to be. Oh, 
Somebody catch it tomorrow. Somebody shout, say that again, Pastor. I think I will. If you learn how to appreciate the Lord in a place that you don't want to be in, God says, I'll bless you in the very place that you want to be. In other words, if you learn how to praise God and still give God the glory, even in a place of transition, somebody shouts zigzag. Everybody's got a zigzag in their life. If you learn how to stay put where you are, God says, I'll take you where you need to be. But I want to test your faith out to see if you can praise me where you are. Come on, school. Have any of you ever been to a place called Ziklag? Place that your enemy own. Place that you don't want to be. But God knows how to make a way out of nowhere. Why? Because Ziklag is only a temporary dwelling place. Woo! You ought to look at somebody and say, God's got something better with your name on it. And if you can survive Ziglag, God's got a mansion with your name on it, David. God's got a palace, David, with your... Ooh, I, I feel God's glory. Somebody ought to give God at least about 30 seconds hand of praise for where God is about to take you. You don't see it yet. And it may be bad now, but get ready, get ready. Tell somebody this is not it. This isn't it. Baby, God's got something better than this with your name on it. Now here's where the story gets very interesting. So I'm in a place thinking like David. David said, I'm in a place where I don't want to be. I'm surrounded by those who are outcasts like me. And we're in the land of our enemies. And we're even in a place in the enemy's land that they don't even want. This is as bad as it gets, but it's about to get worse. What happens when the little you have get taken away? I feel like preaching. Can I, can I just preach this? Look at somebody say, what happens when the nothing becomes less than nothing? What happens when, when, when the wall collapses that you're leaning on? And, and, and when Ziglag gets burned down? Good God Almighty. What happens when I don't even want to be here? I, this isn't no place to write home about. But what happens when demons and devils come and take that away. So it was. David and his men were out the camp chasing other enemies and new enemies came. And they came and the text says they burned the camp to the ground. They burned the temporary dwelling place to the ground. They took their possessions and they kidnapped 
their families. <laughs> Look at David. Lord, I don't know what you're doing to me. Ever since you anointed me, it seems like nothing but trouble has been in my life. But God said, that's all right, David. I'm setting you up. Oh, somebody, every now and then you got to declare a word. Would y'all help me declare something? Look at somebody say, this is a setup for something greater that's coming in your life. How many of you know that you're in the period of your life right now that's just a setup? I need about 50 people to jump quick and say, setup. Don't you give up just because Ziklag had been destroyed. Don't you give up. Now it goes from bad to worse and it gets even worse than that. David comes back to camp with the only friends he had. These renegades, these outcasts that nobody else wants. And when they discover that their stuff had been stolen and their families had been kidnapped. The Bible says they spoke of stoning David to death. You can hear them in their conversation. Use your Holy Ghost imagination. They would say, here we are. We only had a little bit. And because we followed you, man, we've lost everything, including our families. I'm convinced some of them had the stone in their hand. They were about to stone David to death. Who was there to encourage David? Who was there to speak a word into David's life? Did anybody come to his rescue? Did anybody say, hold on, guys. This, ain't, this is not David's fault. Nobody was there. All the folk that David had done so much for, nobody spoke up for him. But that's all right because God says at this point in your life, you don't need anybody else. I'm going to allow you to encourage. Yourself. I know you thought somebody would come and encourage you. But that's all right, David. And the Bible shit. David responded in a way that only a man who had been anointed for situations like this. I need you to catch this. Catch somebody by the hand and say, God said, you have been anointed for situations like you're going through right now. Who is that word for? Who is that word for? God said, I chose you. I anointed you, Tony G. I anointed you, James Simmons. I anointed you, Cheryl Washington, for situations just like this. See, the enemy doesn't know why you are anointed. Jesse, the father of David, said, well, you've just been anointed to be the next king. God said, that's coming, but I've anointed you for Ziglag before I anoint you for the palace. Because if you can deal with Ziglag, somebody ought to clap those hands. 
Somebody is in a zigzag experience right now. Somebody lift those hands and say, Lord, use me right now, right where I am, right here, right now. David could have given up. Here's what he did. I want to share this with you, and then we're going. Three quick things of how David responded in a crisis. Number one is this. Despite how he was feeling at the time, because you can imagine he was feeling pretty bad, David found a way to encourage himself. Ah, I'm feeling pretty bad, but I know that the God I serve. The NIV says David found strength in the Lord. Can I tell you something? God dropped this in my spirit at the 8 o'clock service. I had not thought about it all week long until God said it this. God said there is a reason why most of David's life he was a loner. Going somewhere. There's a reason why he tended the sheep by himself. There, there's a reason why all the other brothers were warriors and and, and they were all integrated in the community. And David was somewhere on the hillside by himself. Look at somebody and say, God was preparing him for this moment. See, David had experience being by himself. David had already been with the Lord when a bear and a lion came to defeat the sheep. And nobody else was there to help him. So he had to find strength in what he already had. I'm preaching to somebody right now. God said the reason you went through what you went through as a young man, because as you get older, God said you're going to rely on that experience to get you through it. Is God not able? And because David had experience being by himself, he didn't really need anybody else. <laughs> because he had a proven track record that with the help of God, he can do it himself. Somebody lift your hand and say, with God on my side, all things are possible. You can make it. If nobody else tells you you can make it, tell yourself you can make it. So number one, David found a way to strengthen himself to encourage himself. Number two is this. David, according to verse 8 of the text, this is so important, he sought guidance from the Lord. God, I can't do this on my own. This is not a decision that I, although he may have encouraged himself, he did not advise himself. I want you to hear me. He sought advice and guidance from the Lord. Many of us seek advice and guidance from everybody but God. Everybody have given us an opinion on what we should do in our life. You've asked everybody, what should you do? As opposed to just getting on your knees and say, Lord, what is it you want for me? The text says, David sought guidance from, should I go? Should I stay? Should I pursue 
or should I leave it alone? And here's what God says. Go. Pursue. Because you shall. Y'all know this word. Here it comes. You shall. Look at somebody say recover it. Oh. And the third and the last one is that David obeyed those instructions. He only chased his enemies when God gave him permission to chase his enemies. Some of you are chasing enemies that God has not permitted you to chase yet. Some of you, God said, don't do it right now. And some of you are holding back when God has said to you, go get what I have for you. David obeyed the Lord's instructions, number three. And as a result of that, verse 18 says, he and his men recovered all that the enemy has stolen. I want you to hear this word. God says, if you seek my guidance and obey my words, you will get it all back. I'll give you more than what you lost, and I'll give you everything the enemy ever stole from you. That's why you can't give up. Stand to your feet wherever you are. That's why you cannot throw the tower in. Because God says, you'll get it back. Catch somebody by the hand before this altar call. And say, if you learn how to encourage yourself, God will give you everything the enemy stole. You'll get it back. You'll get it back. Cross the aisles and touch somebody so you get it. Ooh. Come on, come on, come on. Tell somebody, get ready. Get ready for the comeback. Get ready. Oh, Elder Gloria, folk need to get ready for the comeback. Get ready. I sense in my Holy Ghost spirit somebody is about to be better and greater than what you've ever been before. But it starts with you learning how to simply encourage yourself. Leave your seats. Walk down these aisles. Stand at this altar. Listen to the words from Donna Lawrence. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Ooh, I like this next, this next line that says sometimes you have to speak victory doing the test. You've got to declare I'm healed before the evidence backs it up. You have to declare I'm blessed before your bank account can back it up. You have to declare everything is all right before everything looks to be all right. No matter how you feel, speak a word. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Speak a word. Is there any sickness in anybody's around here? Lift, lift those hands. Speak a word.
you will be healed. Speak over yourself. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Come on, Sister Janelle. Quiet. Put your hands right here on your heart. Sometime. Somebody else, you encourage you. Life. Come on, somebody. yourself. Come on, say so, say so. Ooh. 
courage today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. to have the strength you have to have the relationship with God that if nobody comes to encourage you you can encourage yourself if everybody you thought you can trust let you down you have to have the strength to encourage yourself now take note of this the relationship with God cannot begin when there is a crisis. You've got to have a relationship before there is a crisis. So that when the crisis comes, the relationship is already there. Amen. David knew his God before Ziklag. And so when Ziklag occurred, David already knew his God. He already knew that the Lord was his shepherd. He shall not want. And right now, as we close those eyes, someone is being challenged this morning. I will ask you this question. What if zigzag happens in your life? Do you have such a relationship with God? that you can make it if nobody else comes to encourage you you will be able to encourage yourself if you want supernatural peace it happens when you know that you don't have to depend on anybody else to encourage you in the Lord you can encourage yourself because you know that the God you serve is able Maybe there's someone here today and you had that relationship with God, but it no longer exists. God says, I want to give you a relationship opportunity. I want to give you that opportunity to come back into a relationship with me. If you are not committed to something greater than you, whew, you, because, see, the only reason you can encourage you is because you have God inside of you. You need the Lord. Your family needs the Lord. Your family needs a church home. Your family needs brothers and sisters who can touch and agree and pray the prayer of faith and help you pray your way through it. Amen, somebody. 
God says, I'll give you the strength. After this prayer, if you're here and you want to make that decision, you want that relationship with you and your God. On this Independence Weekend, what a great day to set yourself free by the power of God that could live inside of you. Free from every demon, free from every devil in your life. God is able. Tell somebody God is able. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you this day. We thank you for reminding us that in the midst of our zigzag experience, you will give us the strength to encourage ourselves. Lord, like Job, we must be able to speak the Lord gives and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Like David, we must be able to speak, God is my shepherd, I shall not want. He prepareth the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. We must learn how to encourage ourselves in the midst of whatever we're going through. Have your way, Lord. Somebody say, have your way, Lord. Move in a mighty way. Thank you. We speak against every demon. We speak against every obstacle. We speak against every jealous spirit. We speak against every hater, every backbiter, every liar in our life, Lord. It will not steal our joy. It is already done. Already done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Put your arms around somebody and say it is already done. Tell them be encouraged. Be encouraged. Come on. If you want to join the church, you want to give your life to the Lord, come stand right here. Come on. This is your day. This is your day. This is your day. Somebody else Somebody else wants it. Come on. This is your day. This is your day. Somebody else is walking down the aisle. Thank God. Young people. Somebody else is coming. Somebody else is coming. Look at God. Look at God. Look at I'm encouraged. Someone else, come on, step, step down. Look at it. Look at God. Somebody else is walking down the aisle. Come on, meet him, meet him. Bring him to the end. Look at God. I'm encouraged. Be encouraged. Look at God. I'm encouraged. Anyone else? God's calling you. This is your moment right now. This is your moment. This is your moment. Yeah. Come on, anyone else? God's, yeah. God's calling you. Clap your hands as we take them down the aisle. Come on. Yeah, yeah. 
Gabriel. Those hands all over this place. Tell somebody, be encouraged. Be encouraged, amen. Come on. Ooh. It's going to be all right, amen. Anybody know God has already worked it out? Clap those hands for those today.